Amen. Is the Lord faithful? He surely is. Amen. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we will look at two verses from Ephesians chapter 3. I want to tell you before we begin, uh, last Sunday, or all year, we have looked at God's faithfulness and how the Lord is faithful in every area of our life, and I pray that as we have done so, you have uh, begun to trust even more so of the Lord's faithfulness and know without a shadow of a doubt in your own life that God is faithful and He will be faithful and remain faithful for you, and He can be that for you. Uh, last week, we started, uh, uh, I guess, a mini-series along the year-long series of faithfulness, and we began to look at God's faithfulness in our prayers. God being faithful in our prayers, aren't you thankful that God is faithful in our prayers? Amen? Aren't you thankful for that, that the Lord hears our prayers? And last week, we looked at how we get to pray, and that is because of Jesus, that Christ died on the cross so that we could come to Him and have total access to the Lord Jesus, to God and the power that comes from God sitting on the throne. And we learned that the only way God will hear our prayers is through Christ, that we are walking through the blood of Jesus to get to God, and that God does not hear every prayer. God does not hear every prayer that is prayed, but God only hears the prayers of the saints. He only hears the prayers of those that have been redeemed, those that have surrendered and committed and submitted their life to Christ. And so I pray that God is hearing your prayers. I pray that you have submitted yourself to the Lord, that you have committed your life to Him, that you have surrendered and and got forgiveness for your sins and you are a child of God, that God hears your prayers. And I would ask you today, does God hear your prayers? Are you saved? Do you know Christ? Do you know Him personally as Lord and Savior? Not about Christ, but do you know Him and what He offers and who He is? I, I pray that uh, God hears your prayers. I can tell you this, God hears my prayers, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that that day when I was a 10-year-old boy that God heard the very first prayer I ever prayed, and that was a prayer of forgiveness. And from that day forward, God has heard every prayer that I've offered Him, and I'm thankful for that because many of those prayers have been for you, and many of those prayers have been for situations in your life. And so even before we begin, does God hear your prayers? Are you a child of God? Do you know Him? But today I want to go a little bit further in God's faithfulness in our prayers. And I know two things about this message today. Number one is we will not get to all three points in the the sermon. You have three observations in uh, your outline that is in your worship guide. I know for a fact we will not get all three. The second thing I know is this. We won't even get to number two. All we're going to do is spend time on number one. And I think God has great reason for that. I'm telling you, we had church in 815 service. God came into this place, and I'm telling you, hearts and lives were changed. Tears were flowing from, the, from the, the, the Spirit of God working and moving in that service. And I'm telling you, I believe God's going to do it again. I just believe that. I prayed right there, and as I came up, I said, I said Lord, this is a new, uh, um, uh, a new service with new folks. And, and Father, may you just penetrate our hearts with what you have for us today. And listen, I'm, listen if you will be available... And you will sit in there where you are and just be open to allow God to speak into your life. Not me. 
But allow the Lord to speak into your life. Here's what I know. He will. He will. And I'm telling you, you'll walk out of here changed than when you came in. You'll walk out of here lighter than when you came in. Not physically. Not that kind of workout. But spiritually, I believe mountains are going to move here this morning. Hey, and I'm trusting it and I'm believing it. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verses 20 and 21. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn there, stand with me as we read the Scriptures together. Now, I want you to know this is not uh, a couple verses on prayer. Uh, This is not about prayer, but it is uh, a passage of Scripture that doesn't teach you how to pray. What it does is it teaches you whom you pray to. Okay, this is, uh, this is not a passage on prayer, as in teaching you how and why you should do it. This is a passage reminding the church at Ephesus and reminding you and me of whom we pray to. Why? Because when you know who you pray to, it changes how often you pray and how you pray. Amen? When you know who you're praying to, it changes how you pray, changes your prayers and how often you pray. So let's read it together. Paul is encouraging them, praying for spiritual power for the church. And listen to what he says, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. It works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Forever and ever, amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We come to you in prayer through the blood of Jesus. And God, I pray that you would tabernacle among us. That, Father, when we leave here, we we can say, God was in that place. Surely God was there, and we met with him. Father, help us to be vulnerable. Help us to... Be open to hear from you because, God, we need to hear from heaven. We need to hear from you. God, help us to see prayer in whom we pray to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, these two verses, he is reminding the church in whom they pray to. He's reminding the believers in the church. You know that he is not talking to the lost world, to the unsaved. He's talking to the saved, to the believers, to those that are redeemed, many of you and and even myself. And he is reminding them in who they pray to. And he says, this one that you're praying to is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to what? The power. The power. He is able. Aren't you thankful that God is able? He is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. How? According to the power, look, that works in us. It's in us. It's in you, Christ follower. It's in you, disciple of Christ. It is in you. The power of God is in you. Observation number one, the only one we will get to today, number one, prayer equals power. Prayer equals power. Can I get an amen? You could be better join me. 
Join me. Prayer equals power. I know we hear it all the time. Uh, There's power in prayer, power in prayer. I think so often we've said it so much, we don't believe it anymore. It's just a saying. But I'm here to tell you to go back to the elementary things of the Christian life for you to know that prayer equals produces power. If you want power in your life over sin, power in your life over darkness, power in your life over mountains, power in your life over finances and marriage and relationships, you better be praying. If you want the power of God in your life, pray. Pray. For it's the last thing we often do. It's the last thing the church does. We come for prayer meetings and we don't pray. Just as guilty. But if we want power, we must pray. Did you know that in your life and in my life and the life of the believer, what Paul is telling them of the God you pray to has all power, that there is more power in a simple prayer than all the mightiest of armies. There is more power in a small, simple, dear, heavenly Father than all the armies of all the earth that's ever been. You know that? Just simply by believers, followers of Christ, you, me, bowing before God, dear Abba, Father, here comes the greatest of powers that's ever known to man. It's greater than the greatest armies. It's greater than the American militaries. It's greater than the greatest kings out there that's ever lived. The small power, prayer that you can pray, there's more power in it than in anything in your life. Listen, power is This idea of power is introduced back in verse 7, referring to Christ's power in us. Paul says in verse 7, I was made a servant of this gospel, the gospel of Christ, by the gift of God's grace that was given to me. How did the power get in me that was given to me by the working of his power? Whose power refers back to the gospel power, Jesus' power, Christ's power. This power is in us, this idea. It says in our verses, 20 and 21, now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power, this power comes from God through Christ, that works. It works. Underline it. Circle it. Highlight it. Put arrows pointing to power works. Power works. Write in your Bible. Like Underline it. There's, there's often in, in my Bible, I can't read it sometimes because I've written so many notes, and I'm like, what does that say? I've just underlined stuff, and it marks out, but do that to your Bible. Underline, power works. It works. And where does it work? Out there? No. Where does it work? In you. It works in you. It works in me. Why? Through the power of Christ, this working that it says, this power that works in us is energia, meaning energy. It's where we get the word energy from, meaning this power is activity. The power in us that comes from prayer, the power is actively working. It's energy that is built up inside of us that comes out. It's, It's in you, and it comes out when you pray. You say, how do I get the power out of me? Pray, dear heavenly Father. All that power that's in, it comes out. It flows out of you. There is different kinds of power. There is power that is dormant. 
There's power there. It's available, but it's just not being used. There, this power, it's there. You can see it. Uh, you can see the effects of it. It's just dormant. It's not working. It's not activity. It's just sitting there. The example is uh, a battery. Everybody knows what a battery is. You, uh, you know what this is. For some of y'all, it's keeping you alive. Uh, you have one right there. And, uh, it's just keeping you ticking. Thankful for a battery. Amen. I don't know how they last 10 years. Why can't Duracell get a hold of that? But anyway, whatever. Battery. There is power in this. Y'all get that? That's. If y'all don't laugh at that, I don't got better jokes than that. But anyway, have y'all never thought that? Pacemaker battery last ten or fifteen years. Why can't I get that for my remote or something? Whatever. Anyway, that's a scam. This, I think, <laughs> there is power in this battery. You know that, right? You. It's it's dormant. It's just sitting in there. It's it's there. And how do I know it's there? Because if I were to take this and I put this in a remote or uh, uh, this battery pack that I have to wear over here, that's the only way this will work. If I put dormant power in there and then access that power, uh, you have a car battery, whatever kind of battery is just an example, that it's dormant, it's there, but it only works when you go get it, when you need it. Here's the problem. This power will run out. It'll run out. You can only use it so much. It's dormant. And if it stays dormant so long, guess what happens? It's no good. It's no good. It sits it's dormant too long, and it's no good. There is dormant power, but then there's also working power. There's energy power, God's power. God's energy is what we call effectual power, power at work in our lives. It never runs out. It is never dormant. It is always working in your life. You and I are the ones that cause it to go dormant because we lack seasons of prayer, and the power of God is not actively working and coming out. When you don't pray, God's power is dormant in your life. And what ends up happening is that dormant power, uh, you in your own life, you begin to fade away. It's there. It should be actively working, actively moving. It works in us through the Holy Spirit. And when we pray, it releases the resurrection power of Christ in our lives. Praise the Lord, it's in you. Did you know that? It's in you from the senior adult to the, to the adult to the, the teenager to uh, the, uh, the, the child in the room. The power of God is in you. It's no more powerful in someone else than the next person. It's as much powerful in you than anyone else. I don't have any more God's power than you do. You don't have any more God's power than I do. And so may we use it. Listen, until you know, until you know the power that is in you, until you know the power that comes from Christ, listen, you will never begin to pray powerful prayers like we're intended to do. Until you and I know the power that is in you, and this is why this is very important, until you realize the power that is in you, you will never begin to pray powerful prayers like God has intended us to do, like God has intended us to pray We'll never be praying those amazing prayers, the prayers that make no sense to anyone else. Our prayers will always be small and seem insignificant. Christian prayers are a direct result of your knowledge of God's prayer, God's power. 
Our prayers are a direct result of your knowledge of God's power. So if we just simply pray these, you know, small, repetitive prayers, oh Lord, bless me today, may I have a good day, and we do this repetitive just prayer, and it's just all packaged up, nice and neat, you know, got a bow on top, and we just repetitive prayer, and we just continue to do that, you are proving your knowledge of God's power that he doesn't have much power. So may we as believers get out of the small, insignificant prayers and may we begin to know the power of God and that changes how you pray. It changes who you pray about, who you pray for, and how you pray for them. Why? Because your prayer is backed up with a foundation. God can do anything. He's got power and that power is in me, so I'm gonna pray some crazy prayers. I'm gonna pray prayers that, that for, for anybody to hear, you, they would say, you're crazy, there's no way that's gonna happen. When we know of God's power, God needs no energy outside of himself to answer. God has so much power, he needs no more energy anywhere else. He doesn't need the monster energy drinks or the naps. He doesn't need any. That's why it says he never sleeps nor slumbers. He's not tired. He never gets tired. He'll never be tired. He has so much power. No energy comes from him when he answers your prayers. That's why Paul says he is able, more than able, matter of fact, to do even abundantly, exceedingly more than what you could think. He doesn't stop there. And even beyond what you could ever imagine. You and I can't even imagine the power of God and the power that comes from praying to God. You see, you can't even imagine it. There's no energy given off when he answers prayer. He needs no assistance outside of himself to, uh, for power. He needs no energy outside of himself, no power outside of himself. He has all power. And when you say, dear Abba Father, you are unleashing the power of God in whatever you're about to speak. And let me tell you this, he can handle it. He can handle it. He can do it. So from the senior adult to the, the, the youngest of children in the room, whatever is on your heart, whatever is going on in your life, God has the power to hear it. Not only that, he has the power to do something about it. Listen, you need to know knowledge of the power that God has will change your prayers. What I've learned is uh, the believer who does not know the power of Christ and the wealth we have in Christ will never be able to pray with great boldness and confidence. Until you and I are enlightened on the power of God through prayer and that our prayer equals power. If you want power in your life, you need prayer in your life. But too often we're going to the world for power and we're getting fake power. We're not getting God power, gospel power, resurrecting power. And what I've learned is if believers are not enlightened on the power of God, our prayers do not come to God with boldness and confidence. See, when you know the power of God, you come to him with boldness. Why? Because you know who he is. You come with bold prayers. I'm talking awesome prayers, big prayers, bold prayers. And you come to him with what? Confidence. Why? Because he's God. And he can do anything. That's why Paul said, that's why the Bible, we go to, we go to the throne room of grace with boldness and confidence. 
Boldness and confidence. Boldness with bold prayers because we know the power of God. And confidence because we know he can do it. He can do it. He can handle it. He can answer. He can able. Why? He is able more than able. Paul's using every word he can think of. He is able to do all, above all, beyond all, exceedingly all, abundantly all. He can do it all. Anything you've ever thought of, he can do it. And anything you've never even thought of, he can do it. God can do it. Every waking moment we ought to spend in prayer We ought to be enlightened so you can be enabled. See, enlightened believers are enabled believers. When you're enlightened to the power that comes from God and you vaguely try with our finite minds to understand the power of God, you become enabled, empowered people. And you know what the devil hates the most? Empowered Christians empowered people who know God, know the power of God, and they tap into the power of God through consistent prayer. Not only do you need to be enlightened by the power of God, but you also need to be enlightened that you're at war. You need to be enlightened that you're at war every day. We are at war every day. We're at war We face every day in this walk of life. Listen, every waking moment for you, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, every waking moment is spent in all-out war. You're in war. We face an adversary that is the most powerful and cunning enemy that has ever been created. And you know who he is after? He is after you. He's after you. Do you know that? The devil, the adversary, the only enemy we have, it's not a co-worker or a family member, the only enemy you and I have is an adversary, and it's the devil. He is the prince of darkness. He is ruling this world for now. For now. Praise be to God, in the end, he is going to be defeated for all eternity, and God will rule, and Christ will rule in the new earth. But until that happens, the devil, the, our adversary, is ruling and reigning in this world, the prince of darkness, and he is coming after you. Ma'am, sir, teenager, child, the devil is after you. You are at all-out war with the devil. Do you know that? He's after you. What does the Bible say he's come to do? Still kill and destroy. Steal your family, steal your, your, your joy, kill uh, any, uh, anything in your life, destroy your family, destroy your attitude, destroy your joy. That's what he's come to do. He can't take you from God, but what he can do is put you in depression. He can put you in anger. He can put you ineffective to do anything for the Lord. May it not be so for you. May we know and be enlightened that not only is God powerful in our prayers, but may we be enlightened to know that you are at war. Listen, you cannot go to war without great weapons. You cannot stand on the battlefield without great weapons. John Piper says this, Until we know that life is war, we will never know what prayer is for. Until we know what, that life is war, we will not know what prayer is for. You know why we pray? You know why God has given us access to pray? Because you have an adversary that's after you. Dear dads in this room, you have an adversary that's after your children. And I'm telling you what, he's going to come after your kids and he's going to come with full force after your children. You better be praying for them. 
He's coming after them. So no, mine's just a baby. You better believe he'll come after them too. He is coming after your children. How often do you pray for them? I'm not talking these little, little man be pain be praying. Oh, God, I'm talking on your knees, weeping to God. God, protect them. Protect them. Watch over them. They're at war. They don't even know it. The devil's coming after them. Dear sir, the devil's after your wife. He's after your wife. He's after her in any way he can get after her. Are you praying for her? You're at all-out war. Dear ma'am, the devil's after your husband. When you go to war, who do you go for? Who do you go for? Who's the one person you want to get the most? The leader. Why? If you get the leader, chaos happens. Why do you think it's the men? God, the devil, goes after the men in the relationships, the men in the marriages, the men in the homes, the men in the church, and the pastors who shepherd them. Listen, you're at all-out war, brother. You are at all-out war, dear sister. This is why the veil was torn. You understand? This is why God gave access to him because you are at war with the adversary. He knows the adversary is more powerful than you, but he is not more powerful than the God you pray to. Amen? Listen, you, you are all at war. Don't you think, oh, my life's great. Everything's fine. I'm not at war with anybody. You're the one he's got the most. He has deceived you. He has deceived you. You are in the palm of it. He's got you wrapped around him. His little hand has deceived you that, oh, everything's fine and dandy with me. No, dear sir, you're at all out war with the devil. Dear ma'am, dear teenager, dear young person, the devil's after. I'm not trying to you know, make anybody scared to death. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to enlighten you. If you are all out war with the devil, you better come with some good weapons. And the greatest weapon you have is not your wisdom, not your knowledge of all of your mind. The greatest weapon you have is God. We stand before the devil and the great Goliath that we have in our lives and say, <laughs> you got all that, but I've got the Word of God. I've got the Lord. And He's on my side and I'm on His and the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, our enemies begin to shudder and flee from us. Can you imagine, uh, with me for just a moment, can you imagine if we were to send our military uh, service men and women out to the greatest uh, enemies that we have, and you can name whatever they are, but the greatest enemies, can you imagine us sending them out to fight that enemy uh, without the greatest weapons that we have? Can you imagine sending our military out with, um, uh, with weapons that are not the most powerful, with weapons and tools that are not the most powerful out there? Do you know what would happen? One word, defeat. Defeat. Because you know well, as, as I do, the enemy is going to have great, powerful weapons. And they're going to get the powerful weapon, most powerful weapons they could find. And then you're sending our military into 100% defeat. They're defeated before they get there. And I'm going to tell you this. If you're going out in this war, every waking moment of your life, you are at war. And if you're going out in war without bathing yourself in the power of prayer and the power of God that comes through prayer, you are already defeated. You're already defeated. You will say yes to sin and no to God every time. You will say yes to mediocre and no to power of God every time in your life. 
Can you imagine that? You know what would be, you know what would happen? Defeat would happen, and the sound of retreat would begin to happen. Retreat! Retreat! Get out! Run out! They're, they're bigger and better, more powerful. Get out! I pray you leave your house every day going with great power. Without it, you would constantly hear the sound of defeat and retreat in your life. Listen, the adversary, the ruler of this world, at the moment, at every moment, every waking moment, is at war with you. And the problem with most of our believers and Christ followers and church members, they're living in defeat. They're living in defeat. It's as if they're in sinking sand. There are mountains on every side because the enemies have surrounded them and they are not fighting back with the greatest powerful weapon you have, and that is prayer, and you are being defeated. What happens? You begin to retreat. You draw back. You leave church. You draw out of following Christ. You go back to the life you once were living. You go back to sin. You retreat back to your old ways of doing things, old life, old attitude, and all the while the devil's just going, got another one. We got another one. We got another one. I'm so glad he didn't pray. I'm so glad because if he'd have prayed, God would have showed up and I'd have scurried out of here like a dog with his tail between his legs. I'm so glad he didn't pray. But I'm telling you, you're at war with the devil. Can I make that very clear? And the only weapon you have, dear sir, dear ma'am, teenager, young person, is prayer. Prayer. You better pray to God. It's the only help that we have is to pray. Can I tell you this? Do not come to war with your small, repetitive, and insignificant prayers. Do not send your spouse and children out the door every day without bathing them and supplying them with the greatest weapon out there. Do not, do not face this walk of life without the greatest weapon, and that is prayer. Why? Because prayer equals power. And when you pray, you are walking out into this dark world with power. And God is going before you, and you're walking in great power. Listen, do not face the devil with your own tactics and plans. You know why? Because you will be defeated. You, the, the sound of retreat will happen. May you and I pray. 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 Pray, dear brother. Pray, sister. Pray, young person. Pray. For the power of God will be unleashed into your circumstances. And you know what you need the most? The power of God in your circumstances. That's what you need and that's what I need. Listen, I challenge you to pray every morning knowing what your prayers are for. You're going into battle. I pray that you would be ready, that you would be battle ready. It's, a, it's all out war. We have one enemy. And that's our adversary. We do not, we do not uh, fight with flesh and blood. Flesh and blood can be defeated uh, with our own tactics. But the, the, the war that we are in cannot be defeated by our own tactics, our own plans, and our own wisdoms, and our own strength, and our own militaries. It cannot. The only weapon we have is prayer. The only weapon you have is prayer. I want to ask you this. Are you battle ready? You need to know that as a Christ follower, you have the power of God within you to move that mountain that is standing in front of you. Listen, I want you to know something. Oftentimes when I stand here, oftentimes I don't see people. Let me explain. Oftentimes I don't see people. Oftentimes... 
even today, I see mountains. I see people who have mountains in front of them. And you have struggled and struggled and struggled to get up that mountain and climb that mountain, whatever it is. Maybe it's mountains of past sin. Maybe it's a mountain of finances, marriage problems, um, sin in your own life, sexual moralities, whatever, whatever the case may be. And you have struggled and struggled and struggled to get over that mountain, to conquer that mountain. And I'm here to tell you, quit. Quit. Stop. If you don't hear anything else today, you know this. The mountains that are in front of you, they are not yours to conquer. They are not yours to battle with. The Bible says our battle belongs to the Lord. The Bible says that through prayer, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you look at that mountain and say, hey, you got to go. You, mountain, have to go. And you have struggled and struggled and you've found yourself in retreat, 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 defeat, 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 and you're trying to conquer this mountain in front of you. I'm here to tell you to stop it. Stop. You bow at the foot of that mountain and you pray to God. And you look at that mountain in the name of Jesus and the power that comes from within. You don't have to go get the power. You don't have to come to me for that power. You don't have to come to church for power. Wherever you are, that power is in you. You look at that mountain and you say, hey, you got to go. That past sin, you got to go. That, that defeat, that you're, you have that anger, you got to go. Sexual sins, immorality, whatever, that, you got to go. And I'm here to tell you that the power of God is able to move that mountain and cast it far away from you. Listen, many of us in this room, you don't just have that one. You've got mountains on every side. And you've got things all around you, and, and nobody may know it, but you've got mountains all around you, and you're looking up, man, and you're trying to conquer these things, and you're trying to fight and trying to have a smile on your face, and you're trying to, trying to work and serve and do better so that God would do something about all these mountains. And you're just looking up. This is where the psalmist was. He looked up and said, where does my help come from? And then he remembered, oh, yes. Oh, that's right. My help comes from the Lord. It comes from Him. And that's when you drop to your knees and say, Father, dear Heavenly Father, there's more power in dear Heavenly Father than a lifetime of serving God. You know that? There's more power in dear Heavenly Father than a lifetime of servanthood with Him. Why? Because you're not unleashing you. You're unleashing Him. So I want to ask you this. What mountains are in your life? Prayer equals power. What area, mountain in your life do you need power? And I'm not talking about man's power. I'm talking about God's power. What area do you need God's power? Maybe it's past sin or past experiences, past decisions that you've made, things you can't get over. What I've learned is most Christians live in defeat. Most of them do. And you know God, did, He did not design the Christian life to live in defeat. Listen, we're coming from victory. We have walked away. We're victor, we've been at victory at the cross, at the empty tomb. We're saved. We're walking from victory. We're walking from it, not from defeat. We're walking from victory. What mountains are in your life? 
I want to do something very bold, very different. Listen, you don't have to amen this. I, I don't expect you to. Some of you are going to have the urge to do so. Uh, just keep it, it to yourself. I know, I know, again, don't amen this. You're going to make me feel bad. I know that I don't have a lot of wisdom. I know that. Don't amen that. You Keep that to yourself. You can write amen on your notes if you want to. I know I don't have a lot of wisdom. I get it. I got I, high energy, low IQ, whatever. Here's one thing I know. I know people come to me all the time. And man, they just live this downcast, just defeated life. And they have things in their life, man, they wish they could remove, they wish they could conquer, they wish they could take out and get over, and they can't get over it. They're just struggling. And in all of my wisdom, which is not much, you know what I ask them? Have you prayed about this? Oh, yeah, Brother Mike, I've prayed. No, 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 no. No. Have you really prayed over this? Have you really prayed? Maybe you need to fast and pray. Maybe you need to give up something and spend that time in prayer. Maybe you need to give up social media. And instead of being on social media, you take that time to pray. Maybe you need to give up watching something or TV or going out and about and doing all kinds of stuff and take that time to pray for whatever that situation is. I want to ask you a question. Every head up and eyes open. (laughs) Total opposite, right? I want to ask you this. Do you have a mountain in your life or mountains? It may not be everybody. I want to ask you to do this. If you have a mountain in your life, would you just stand right where you are? He said, Mike, I'm, I have a mountain. It may not be everybody, and that's fine. It, it, it's not saying you got everything together. If you don't stand, it's fine. He said, Mike, I have a mountain, or I have mountains. Would you do this? I told the early service, I'm just, I didn't know how things would go because it wasn't planned at all. Sometimes that's the best times, isn't it? Would you do something for me? Not really for me, it's for you. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord? If you're standing, just lift your hands to the Lord. Amanda, would you, thank you so much. Just lift your hands to the Lord. And here's what I want you to do. You've got that mountain. You know what it is. You don't have to say it out loud. If you want to, you can. It's totally fine. Here's what I know. Whatever mountain you have, there's probably a lot of people in here with the same. Here's what I want you to do. Just in this moment, this calm, just moment with the Lord. God's in this place. I know it. Would you just speak that to the Lord? Name that mountain to Him? Right where you are, in, in, the, in the prayer of your heart, just the surrender of your heart. Lord, this is that mountain. This is it. And Father, I pray. I'm praying right now. In the name of Jesus. The resurrecting power of Jesus. God, that you would remove this mountain. You would remove this mountain. 
Whenever you so choose to do that, maybe, maybe right now, maybe tomorrow, but God, I pray you would remove this mountain. Speak it right where you are. Power is being released to your mountains. They can't handle it. Maybe you're in the room. You know the number one reason Christ died on the cross and that veil was torn so we could get access to God and pray? Prayer of repentance. Prayer of repentance. Maybe you in the room, you say, I got sin in my life. I need to repent. I need to repent. Maybe God's revealing that to you in your heart and your life. I need to repent. Lord, forgive me of that sin. Forgive me of these sins. Maybe you're in here today and you want God to hear your prayer for the very first time. God will hear your prayer if you'll pray this. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I need Jesus. I need God in my life. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I turn to you. God, I pray you would save me now. Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Save me now. Just right where you are. Just pray. This is our invitation. Do what you need to do. You could keep your hands raised, put them down, whatever you want to do. Just, you're, you're with God right now. All across the room, you just kind of feel a rumbling, don't you? Just a, a rumbling of mountains being shifted and moved. Do you need to come and pray? Come pray. I'm down front. Pastor John's come. Pastor Matt's here. You come and pray. Say, Lord, I'm bringing that mountain to you. And I'm praying. I'm only, I, I, I am unleashing the power of God in this situation. You come and pray. Come on. Maybe you need Jesus. Maybe you prayed that prayer and you say, I need Jesus. I need God in my life. I need the Lord Jesus. I need salvation. Is that you? Come and pray. Come on. Come and pray. You come bring your prayers to the Lord, an old-fashioned altar where things happen, things get done at the altars. Come and pray all across the room. You come and pray. People are coming to pray. I guarantee you somebody will come pray for you. Listen, we need to unleash the power of God in our circumstances. We need to unleash the power of God in our situations. We're going to leave here today with power going before us, power going in us. People are coming to pray, invite you to come and pray. Maybe that mountain in your life is just a spiritual apathy. You've not been committed to the Lord like you know you should have. Come and pray. Let God come to your aid. Let the power of God be uh, poured over those situations and those mountains. Come and pray.
Some are still coming. You can come. You've been standing there or sitting and thinking it was almost over. That thumping in your heart, the Holy Spirit, knowing that there's things in your life that you can't overcome, but only God can. Would you give them to Him? Maybe God's calling you to greater ministry. Maybe God's calling you to greater work. Maybe He's calling you to the ministry. I don't know. Maybe God's calling you to do something amazing, something incredible. Would you submit to that? You could come. You could still come. Let me tell you this. Um, Not only do we have an adversary who we are at war with individually, but we have an adversary we're at war with collectively as a church. You know that? Not only is the devil at war with you and your life, he's also at war with us as a church and would want nothing more than this church, East Aboga Baptist Church, to become spiritually apathetic to the things of God and get in rotations and uh, go through the motions of church and, and, not just, and not be effective at all. He would love that. But we're not going to allow that. We're not going to allow it. Here's what I know. The devil, he, he does not fear a big church. That doesn't scare him. Big church, lots of people. Did you know we're considered a mega church? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? For our area, that old mega church over there. So be it, whatever. The devil doesn't fear that. He doesn't fear a big church, a lot of people. He doesn't fear a small church. You know what he does fear? A praying church. He fears a praying church. He fears a unified church who will stand together and say, we will pray. And not just on Sunday, but we will pray on Monday, just as much as we did on Sunday, on Tuesday, and all throughout the week. We will be unified together, and we will be a praying people. When we hear of a coworker that is sick or in need of something, we will stop right what we're doing and say, can I pray for you right now? You know what I've come in the habit of doing? When people ask me, hey, Brother Mike, will you pray for me? I just got this on my heart. Will you pray for me? I say, well, we'll do it right now. You want to do it right now? We'll do it right now. They'll go, oh, oh, um, well, I guess so. We're in Walmart, but I guess. I'm like, what better time to pray than Walmart? I was praying anyway. Lord, get these people out from behind, in front of me, behind me. Tell them to go to the pants section and get some pants and clothes. 
Pray for them right then. Why? He said, why? Hey, we're going to do it right now. We're going to release the power of God right now. Right now. And, you, and he could do it. May we be a praying church. May we pray over our family every day. Give them to the Lord every day. Amen? Amen. Hey, can we praise God for just a moment? Can we shout to the Lord? Praise the Lord for just a moment. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Amen.